May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in thy sight. O Lord God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Caught in the rubble of a collapsing building. There's a girl, and we've seen the images of her the last week on international news outlets. Of a Ukrainian girl who eventually died. And in those last moments, in the confines of that space, there was dust blowing in along with the ashes of a smoldering building. This afternoon, I read the headline on the BBC that says that the invaders intend to raise the city to ashes. And this is a reality that is continuing to unfold right now as I speak. I was in Russia in 2014 spending some time there at the height of the Crimea crisis. And I was listening to the news uh, on the Russian side as well as from the Western media. And at a particular time, I simply couldn't make sense as to what is true. The argument in Russia was as compelling as was the argument from the news outlets from the West. And the question begs to be asked, what is the truth? What gives justification to the events unfolding right now in the Ukraine? Is the security threats of Russia valid? Or is Putin the aggressor? And I think that the objective truth may well just be the felt experiences of those innocent citizens caught as the ashes rise up and as the buildings come down, so do their livelihoods and their hope for a, an integral nation. And this plight for what is truth and what is just demands of philosophers to say, deconstruct the very truth, all knowledge, because in this post-truth world, our very words are loaded with the meaning of power that contains the very patriarchy that we are suffering from. And this has been the plight of humanity of which we hear tonight in the readings. Of the prophet calling out, who says that your very religion has become rebellious. For they used fasting in a corrupt way to oppress people. How did they do that? By imposing fasts that was not authorized by God. In fact, God only lawfully demanded a fast day once a year, which is the day of Yom Kippur, when the high priest will enter the holiest of holies, to make atonement for the people of Israel and for themselves. And only on that day did God require people to fast. But as Isaiah calls out, they, the people and those who had power used it and imposed these fasts in the name of God 
and then said, well, we do not have to feed our workers, seeing that today is a fast day. And moreover, they would say, seeing that we've declared a fast day, you don't have to come to work, and therefore we don't have to pay you. And so the exploitation prevailed. And to make matters worse, the landowners then expected God to reward them for these fasts. And they pressured God, and they manipulated God, and expected of God to give them their due rewards and blessings and to make their land fertile. And in this very act, the prophet is critiquing the religion that they are, are administering and observing. It became such that God is asking for a redefining of how people perceive honor. As Jesus is saying that the social exchange, the transaction by which you want to use religion for, is not to increase your power, your status, or your ability to oppress. Jesus is saying, what is the trajectory of your fast? Is it aimed at the person that you're trying to impress? Or is it aimed at God? Because if it's aimed at God, you have to make a comparison. You have to weigh up which is more important. Ashes. Those things that will pass away. Your ego. The materialism of this world. Or the values by which your fast is intended to serve your neighbor. And those treasures, those values is for the perpetual well-being of the common good. And this true fast cannot be corrupted. When the poor starts fasting, maybe it is the protest against the rich. And the, the plight of the prophet and of Jesus is that we will be sent to the poor and that we become like them. And in that act, mourning becomes the ritual protest against evil. And I want to say this phrase again. Mourning is the ritual protest against evil. It is the communication to God by which we can perceive the ashes in our hands, and around us and directed to God so that this morning and this protest becomes the means by which new life is built. It becomes the means of reconciliation. It becomes the way when we look at Christ our hearts become contrite. And in that humility the day of salvation can be for you as you aim for it to be for others. And that morning then becomes the means of such joy that restoration can happen. That rebuilding from the ashes can happen. And this is the protest. We are to mourn today. This Ash Wednesday has power. 
that we are called to mourn. Mourn for the crisis that's happening in the Ukraine. Mourn for the people caught in the crumbling buildings. Mourn for those who are in ashes. Mourn for the crises that's happening locally in our country, for the corruption, for the fact that our government is, is neutral about what's happening. Mourn for the loss of life. And that's the protest of the church. It is the protest against evil and death itself. And this is our ministry. It is the ministry of reconciliation. It is the ways that we can become the voice of God. The ways that our treasures will have an eternal reward. We truly can become the rebuilders of the ruins through our mourning. It is a time when as we look at the ashes, we can truly say, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, let us leave the past in the ashes and let us rise up from it. And may this Lenten journey be such a time that we mourn for this, for this new hope. But we do not mourn in the name of being woke. We do not mourn in order to be politically correct. We mourn for the hope of a better world. And having the ashes tonight placed into your hands, may it be that ritual protest already that will empower you to enter into that secret place and to direct your prayers, your intentions, and your actions for a better world in every decision and every word that you make. Amen.